Okay, so I was looking you up, and it's always funny to look up somebody's Wikipedia page or, I don't know, like sponsored page when they talk about your bio. And the first question, mm-hmm. are you really into pigs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, That's I, a, it's, I yeah, am. no judgment. It was just funny. They literally put an entire paragraph of like, I can't go anywhere without my stuffed pig. I want to have a suckling pig. It was like, she just likes pigs a lot. <laughs> Well, so <laughs> my team, my team USA bio, Got it. Um, if you go to like, which I think is one of the first things that comes up if you yeah. uh, Google me, um, I, you know, I filled that out when I was first getting involved in biathlon. Um, and I think I was kind of overloaded that whatever for whatever reason that day was kind of filling out paperwork yeah or something and i just i yeah (laughs) yeah so (laughs) it's a little bit of um i it's not a joke those things are true yeah um but i just thought how can i have fun with this instead of having it be boring you know like my hometown is this my favorite food is this like oh yeah i mean yeah, because that's that's always what it is. But it is funny too. And and then you know you look at the hobbies and everything. It's and I was like, it was like you liked eating and drinking wine. And I was like, there you go. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> was that was that you or was that them? No, that was me. But I okay. I, I feel like now that's a that's got to be. Um, was that a different bot? No, maybe it was the same one. I don't know. I don't no, know. It was funny. I don't the, know. the thing that stuck out was the pig thing, but it brought up a good point because <laughs> it's like, you know, you, I guess as an Olympia, you, you got to have your tools where you kind of like your, your superstitious things or maybe the things that kind of bring you like a unique amount of inspiration. So you had like mm-hmm. your little, the pet. My lucky pigs. You, your lucky pig. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. No, well, I and lucky that. pigs, a lot of people don't know this, but. Um, in the region where biathlon is most popular in the world, which is that sort of central Europe, mm-hmm. Alpine region, um, you know, Germany, Austria, Northern Italy, France, Lots of um, yeah. they have, yeah, where it's snowy, of where course, snowy. Sure. Um, <laughs> they have, they actually have like a, a lucky pig is a thing there. It's That's a Glückschwein, so cool. a, a yeah. lucky pig. And they give, and they give people you know, candy, little piglets or whatever. So that's actually, um, that's, that Pretty is cool. a real thing in that region where, um, where I yeah. do bath on. So that's sort of serendipitous as someone who, who likes pigs a lot. Yeah, no, that's, that's legit. Now here's my generic question. How'd you get okay. into, <laughs> here's my real basic one, but did yeah. you transfer to being a biathlete from another sport or did you just get into it originally? I, I transferred to it from another sport. I was a cross country skier. So cross country skiing is half of biathlon for listeners who aren't familiar with the sport. It's cross country skiing and rifle shooting. Um, the origin of the sport is military. Um, if you think about a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of important historic battles that were fought, for example, between Finland and Russia, um, on snow, or um in the alps you know like even in the u.s we have the 10th mountain division which is our our ski troops um and when there's warfare and border patrol patrol happening in snowy places it's got to be done on skis so that's the origin of the sport um i am not involved in the military um and the although some of my teammates are um and they still support a biathlon program um but 
now it's just a, a sport that's really beloved, beloved and um, in a lot of different places in Europe, Scandinavia, um, Eastern Europe, for sure, Russia, yeah, um, and also growing in the U.S. and Canada. Well, it seems like they're certainly adapting news or, or taking on new sports that sort of reflect that, and it's in different ways and everything. But, you know, you look at the Summer Olympics and they started putting a lot of, uh, I guess, new BMX-type sports. And again, it's not, mm-hmm. even, not even close to being a biathlete sport but again well, biathlon long- is one of the old it was in the first winter olympics oh, so see, it's not that. a new it's not uh, a new addition it's actually one of the oldest ones um it's w- women um were included fairly late um mm. again probably because of that military background but Got it. biathlon was in the first winter olympics um so it is a sort of traditional sport it's just I'm not very well known here in the U.S., but it's extremely popular. I can't overemphasize that in Europe, um, where it's one of the top um, winter TV sports. So if you're ever traveling in Europe in the wintertime and you're in the airport or you're in a bar, you're going to see Bathlon on TV. Um, It's going to be on the main public channel. You're going to turn on channel one and it's going to be Bathlon, um, you know, on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So so, we um, so we enjoy general, really big audiences in Europe. Yeah, in in general, America's ha- hasn't historically done well at a, at a biathlon, right? I guess. Um, we've we have not had um we haven't had people who were the biggest superstars, gotcha. but we have won international medals at the World Cup and World Championships every year for the last ten years. So, yeah. Um, it's because of your lucky, we, (laughs) (laughs) well, we have had some, some really top athletes. Um, like I said, when, I mean, winning world championships, silver medals at world championships and world cup podiums. Um, so in relays as well as individual events. So we are not the superpower by any means in terms, you know, of our national team, um, ranking, I think this year, our women's national team ranking internationally was um, maybe 13th. We're like right behind Switzerland and ahead of Finland, you know, something like that. Um, But, you know, so we're not first, but we're also contenders and we have had some really strong performances. I could see that, that being very important, especially if you're next to Switzerland in Finland, because because they're I mean they're big on that too. Just with any kind of winter sports, they certainly are. Mm-hmm. Like it's uh, I think it's it blew my mind though. It blew, whenever I watch any of those long long distance sports, can't imagine what your what your mind must be going through while you're doing that or or doing the skiing portion of it. Because I guess you're always stressed out. You're always under that that intense body stress. But mm-hmm. I'd imagine there's a lot of thoughts going through your head when you're doing the actual skiing part as opposed to the shooting part. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So or it probably doesn't again, change because it's just hard nonetheless. <laughs> no, no, it's, um, it's, there are of course thoughts, um, going through my head and, yeah, um, like, whatnot. yeah, but, but it's more, um, you know, the, you really have to think about what you're doing and your technique in order to go faster. So interesting. Um, okay. That's so it's less, it's less about grinding and more about 
efficiency while you're doing it. Yeah. So okay. cross country okay. skiing is all about efficiency. Got it. Um, it's for anyone who's done it. It's, it's a very technical activity. Um, it's one of those things like that it. when you do it the first time you're like, Oh my gosh, this is hard. I'm going slow. I'm falling over. Um, and, and there, you know, you're just like flailing Pizza everywhere with your fry. equipment and yeah. And then, um, <laughs> you know, after a lot of practice, it's the kind of thing where you can go actually really fast and sure. it's very efficient. Like you might not even get tired right away. Yeah. Um, and it becomes really fun. Actually, people don't think of cross country skiing as fun, but I can tell you it is fun. And you, when you're, when you can really go fast under your own power, that's fun. Um, but in, in racing, there is a, a, you know, of course your mind sort of naturally goes to, oh, this is so hard. I'm suffering or whatever, but that's yeah. not what helps you. It doesn't help you. And so I think, um, endurance athletes spend a lot of time, um, you know, sometimes with sports psychologists or, you know, just training on their own about how to, um, you know, be, be in control of your thoughts and, um, you know, yeah, take control of that mental game. And I think in cross country skiing, it's, it's really important to be, be thinking about productive things and productive things is not, like Oh, that. this is hard product, you know, productive thought would be, okay, I'm going to push really hard with my right leg and do mm. this the right angle with my left arm and, you know, focusing on, um, on little technique things, which actually help you go faster. So that's, I think that's yeah. what I, what I tried to do in skiing. Well, it should be something that, that everybody does. I think, I think you brought up a good point where everybody does maybe let their mind and especially me too. I mean, I do the same stuff it, it, going to how hard the actual activity is rather than a practical thought in the moment of, mm -hmm. of how you can maybe make your body do something better in that moment. And yeah. God, it, it, it would help a lot of people, recreational weightlifters and just people in different sport. Cause I don't even, it's a simple thought, but it's one that's probably never used, you know, oddly enough. <laughs> well, it's like, if thinking about how hard it is, doesn't make you do any better, nor yeah. does it make it, it get, go by any faster. In fact, it probably makes you experience it sort of more slowly. Um, and so it is, it's important to accept that, yeah, you're going to have those thoughts. I mean, I think that's what, that's what, uh, you know, when we talk about mindfulness and, yeah. you know, that's, that's what that is. It's accepting, oh, I'm having those thoughts. Okay. That's normal. This is what I'm doing is difficult now. Um, how am I going to respond to that? And yeah. if you can make that change and, and think about something productive and, um, maybe more positive, it will definitely help your people. It's a, it brings me, it brings you back to like school and everything. Cause it, you know, whenever I take a class, they talk about self-talk and all the, uh, very like specific names for the athletic motivation things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, talking to so many people, mindfulness seems like the big one, even outside of any of the other things, like really being aware of your body within that moment. So you can take yourself, your out body and your mind and you be, yeah. So you can take yourself out of that pain, you know, that you might be mm -hmm. having in that, in that time and place. So mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. No, that, that, that's what I see because they're always like, they're like self-talk, positive self-talk. You're like, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Don't it's tell not easy, but things. you can really, um, you can build good habits around that. Yeah. That is something that it's, really natural to struggle with, um, mm -hmm. you know, being positive. Everyone does even elite athletes and Olympians and, um, that's normal. 
Yeah. Um, but it is something that you can practice just like, you know, any of the things in your sport that you're practicing physically, you can also practice the mental part, um, and make improvements in the mental part. And that will in turn affect That's your nice. physical performance. So where are you right now? Are you, you live in Maine still, right? Cause you're from Maine originally. Um, I am from Maine originally, but I don't okay. live in Maine anymore. I'm actually in okay. Lake Trader. Placid, New York. Um, <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, I'm in Lake Placid, New York. Um, there's a Olympic training center here that got it. Well, that's the um, big one, right? That's the, of... the main training center in Lake Placid. Um, the the main one is actually the um, at the headquarters in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Wow. So that's a really big campus, and that's where a lot of the summer sports um, training are, okay. is based. But for there are several um, winter sports that are based in Lake Placid. The sliding sports, bobsled, luge, skeleton, and and bathon are all um, kind of uh, based here. So yeah. that's why I live here. Um, and and you asked in the beginning if I had come from another sport. Yeah, I came from cross country skiing. And so when I started doing bathon, I um, I really had to do very intensive shooting training because I had never like shot it. any kind of firearm, and I. Yep was starting from scratch. And so it was really important that I moved here to be able to have that kind of everyday, um, yeah. coaching and training. So just come to Louisiana where I am and they'll, they'll have <laughs> you shoot giant rats and nutrient stuff in the swamp. So, you know, that's good practice. <laughs> yeah. I'd imagine, you know, maybe not the yeah. the most n nice looking place, but you know, certainly, <laughs> certainly shooting, you know? <laughs> yeah. But that, so with your, are you in the off season technically right now? Cause you were at, you were at the last winter Olympics, correct? Mm -hmm. okay. Um, yep. So I competed in Beijing, um, nice. and I, it was my second Olympics. I also competed in Pyeongchang in 2018. Yeah. Um, and I, April is the off season for, for biathletes and, and cross country skiers as well. Yeah. Um, we usually start training May one. Um, I did retire this year, so I'm actually <laughs> on my nice. real, I'm starting the real off season. Yeah. Um, but, but yes, our typical year is, um, this is our time off. And then we really start back in, um, already May one. And we spend the first couple of months of that late spring, early summer, um, time period working on, sort of basic skills for both skiing and shooting and we nice. keep the two sports separate so in skiing it's that kind of really um that long distance easy you know low intensity long distance fitness base training mm -hmm. for skiing um it's stationary shooting you know it's not skiing or running and then shooting with a high heart rate it's just working on your position stability awesome. um any little technical changes, position changes, um, equipment changes that you want to make with your rifle, um, yeah. for strength training. Um, that's when we're doing, uh, we, we know we'll start with some sort of core imbalance, um, just to sort of get ready for, um, the, um, the, the actual lifting. Oh, and okay. then, okay. and then we do hypertrophy training, you know, for the first couple months of, of yeah. summer. So that kind of base stuff. And then we transition into, you know, basically ramping up the intensity in, in all uh, aspects as we head into the fall and winter competition season, which starts around Thanksgiving. The, the entire like aspect of shooting, I can imagine that's, that's a lot more core work than anybody would, uh, I guess, initially realize, especially maybe training for it. Cause you think about like maybe 
skeet shooting or something it's it's a it might be something that people could do for exercise you know it doesn't it doesn't mm -hmm. like show itself off like that but it seems like it because when i see you i'm like okay it's got it's there for a reason you know yeah. yeah um it i do think it shooting um in you know any kind of shooting um it helps to be yeah helps to have a strong core and actually to have some 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 fitness some endurance and i know i mean i we worked um on my team with matt emmons who's a olympic gold medalist um yeah. in position position shooting not biathlon yeah. um so summer olympic sport and um, he definitely, um, you know, trained his fitness regularly and said that a lot of other shooters did that as well. Um, so I think it is something that is important that maybe people wouldn't, um, realize, but of course, you know, the rifle, in my case, the rifle weighs almost 10 pounds. So oh, you, wow. you do need to, um, heavy, huh? Yeah. I, well, I guess it's, you know, it's also I I like more about rifles because I sound so stupid, like that's heavy, right? For a rifle. I don't I know guess. if it is either. I don't know yeah, anything about firearms. <laughs> and and I think I actually, I think our rifle is pretty light relative okay. to, because we have to carry it for skiing. So yeah. I think um, a heavier weapon is usually more stable, um, but we also have to balance that with not wanting to carry around too much extra weight on our backs. And there's also like a backpack that is attached to it because we Perhaps. wear it on our backs. So it's, yeah. a, it's called a harness, but that weighs something too. So, um, but in any case, of course, if you're going to be handling that kind of weight and um, we, we shoot in prone, which is lying down, but also standing. And if you're going to be standing there holding a rifle and you know, you're you going to be tired from racing, of course you want to be um, yeah. strong and, and that's important. But I think, the, really the the most important thing is just really building a solid foundation and, and position with your body and also adapting your rifle so that it really fits your rifle stock so that it like fits perfectly with your body when you're holding it it just fit, fits to your geometry yeah um because the the whole idea behind precision shooting is not that it's not that you just, um, you know, get into position and try really hard to aim at the target and use your muscles to like hold the rifle steady. That that's yeah. what I would have thought before I learned, but the like kind of lesson number one that you learn is that you really, uh, my, my first shooting coach actually told me, don't try to hit the target. <laughs> and and you're like, like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but what he yeah. meant was that you just you, you want, you need to build a position so that when your body is totally relaxed, your rifle is just going to sit there perfectly, um, still on oh. your body and you're just going to need to pull the trigger. So you're not controlling anything. You're just acting as a table. You know, the more you wow. can behave like a table and the rifle is just sitting on it, it's not going to be moving. It's not going to be shaking. You're not going to have to point it. You know, you, you, it's huh. called natural point of aim. So you're setting yourself up, you're setting your position up in such a way that when you relax all your muscles, then you're on the target because when you're really tired, that's the only thing you can rely on is, is getting into a natural position, forcing something, forcing a position, forcing the aim is not going to work when your heart rate is 180 and you're breathing hard and you just have to be able to exhale, relax, be on the target, the take trigger. that shot. And you have two seconds to do that. So Jeez. it has to be, 
It has perfect. to be very, um, it has to be perfect. It has to be, has to be natural. <laughs> it, whenever, when it shoot, whenever I would like shoot a, uh, a gun or something, it, it did make sense. Cause whenever you tighten up or like mm -hmm. you were, you were nervous or hesitant, you, you would start shaking a little bit. Shaking. You know? Yeah. You exactly. start shaking. So like that, that makes total sense. It's, it's mm -hmm. weird, you know, that, that, it, it makes sense, but I guess, yeah. So you build counterintuitive, counterintuitive, but man, that makes sense. Cause then I think about the times I've shot and you miss when you're forcing it. You miss. When yeah, you do. You shot. do get those little, you know, little shakes, you Premise. know, yeah. um, or if you're, if you're in the middle of a bathon race, maybe you get some big shakes. <laughs> um, but that's why it's, yeah, it's really important just to like just build that stuff. Just like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, you have to build that, um, build your natural point of aim. That's the whole, that's the secret. Yeah. Well, when you got into the sport originally, was your, was your initial drive, you kind of just liked competition or was there sort of another reason going into it? You know, like, man, I really just want this level of competition in my life. So a very, that's a very yeah. like inferential kind of like deep question. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. And as I'm, I'm retiring, I'm thinking a lot about those things. Um, but I, I have always loved to compete, yeah. um, and love to win. And, um, gotcha. there's no, um, ignoring that. And, and, um, I, I also loved cross country skiing and I still do. Mm -hmm. And so that was, um, you know, that's what I first did. I did a couple of years of cross country skiing, um, I did that full time after college, nice. um, for two years. Um, and so I was, I was just training for skiing. I wasn't, I was biathlon wasn't really on my radar until it was, um, someone, a, a coach offered to teach me how to shoot. Um, and he was a former Olympic gold medalist for That's, the Soviet yeah. union. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, when someone offers you, you know, when like a gold medalist or someone who's an expert at something offers to, <laughs> no, to give sorry, you a lesson, you just it. say yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, so I said, I'm yes. And not <laughs> yeah, I'm not feeling it today. I mean, of course you just, you say yes. When, when sure. you have that kind of opportunity and, um, so, you know, one lesson led to two lessons and, and I think, there were a couple things that just worked out at that time. I mean, first of all, I did really like working with that particular coach. And so cool. that was kind of an easy decision. I was like, well, I, I like working with this coach. So I'm going to keep doing that. I was having a good time. Um, and I think I also, I saw the, um, I really saw the path to success in biathlon or in the, in the, in the path to opportunities to compete internationally and maybe make the Olympic team. I mean, as soon as I started getting involved with biathlon, um, I could see that my skiing skills were there. Um, you know, I still needed to work hard and I, I did need to improve my skiing and I did that training for biathlon. Um, but I, I could tell that, okay, if I can, um, really work hard at shooting and continue to continue to improve my skiing, um, I could have a real career in this sport. And so that was, that was inspiring. And, um, yeah. So it's, yeah. it's, it's, you saw the opportunity more it's, it's, there was more chance of success. There was more chance of making the Olympics and doing the things you were actually dreaming for, you know? 
Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I think I that. saw some videos too of World Cup competitions in yeah. Europe. Um, the World Cup is the series we do every winter. So biathlon, it's not just something that happens once every four years at the Olympics. We have a ten event series every winter called the mm-hmm. World Cup that starts in November, goes until the end of March. Ten different countries, you know, three races per event, sometimes more. Um, it's a hundred more than a hundred people per race. And it's this kind of traveling circus. Like we just sort of, we move from country to country. It's the same athletes every week and you really get to know each other. Um, the fans get to know all the different athletes because it's the same national teams moving around. And, um, and I saw some, you know, I saw some coverage of that, um, when I was training full-time for cross-country skiing and, um, there were people on my team who were, you know, they were live streaming on some like pirated Russian feed, like the <laughs> biathlon world cup. And I had never seen that before. I did not grow up with cross country skiing or biathlon in my family. I was sure. kind of the first person who did it. And they were showing me, Oh, this thing called the world cup. I mean, I didn't even know it existed. It's crazy to think about now, but, um, yeah, I watched some video and I saw like full stadiums of fans um, in this kind of beer garden environment. And and I thought like I, I love to perform, too. It's not just the competition. It's the performance piece. And I thought that looks Sound like nifty. I like a that. blast. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until the pandemic hit and we lost our spectators that I realized actually how big of a piece of my um, joy from the sport that's that be, is is that's that gotta be insane piece? because that's just immediately the first thing even as a, as a fan watching it you got to just sit there and be like man you know they, they're doing all they can to to mimic the the environment but that can't be good for you guys you have to draw from you can't draw from anything you can't draw from the crowd you can't it's like yeah well what are you it doing really it for, you know interesting yes exactly so f- that's how i felt for me yeah. that's exactly how, how i felt and i feel when like when i it felt like training really and i don't love to train like i love to perform and compete and so it yeah. it felt it felt like training um and it made it i noticed it the most when i had bad races that it was harder to kind of come back from that, those bad races. And whereas when we had spectators, I mean, you've finished the race, you're really upset. And then you have to walk through the media zone and there's like people like trying to reach over a fence and get your autograph and cheering for you and telling you, you know, you know, they're so happy to see you. And it just reminds, it's a immediate reminder, like, Oh, what I'm doing is cool. These people are here to see biathlon. Somebody's going to win. Somebody's going to lose. Like, let's just go to it tomorrow again for these great spectators. But when they weren't there, it was like, I felt I like I got caught in some more sulking, um, yeah. because they just weren't there to sort of lighten the mood build you up yeah i missed that yeah and and so darn this thing watching the last round of olympics you know seeing the the environment just felt so empty with it, it without <laughs> uh, the, the fans and everything it was like, hard was interesting the olympics were hard in many ways and that was <laughs> one of them <laughs> it was funny the environment too there was like i think it was the uh 
the slope, the um, the slope ski or something, the high jump or whatever. And then in the background, you just saw these giant smokestacks. Yeah. Like they had put, they had put the, the big air. I know <laughs> the smokestacks. They put the giant Olympic emblem on the side of it. It's like maybe not the best looking thing, but yeah, you know, it, was kind, what they but it was kind of like dystopian and cool. Yeah. I think they were, I think they did that on purpose. It was sort of this like X Games feel. That's exactly um, what it was. I was like, this is some was, like, yeah, this is uh this weird like Hunger Games looking stuff right now. Yes, and, yeah. very Hunger Games, very Hunger yeah, Games. And exactly. I was very hungry in the dining hall. So that I heard um, well, I heard about that. That, makes that was sense. actually kind of widely uh widely okay. recognized, believe it or not, on social media. There's a lot of postings about that dining hall. That's what they said. Yeah, it was not easy. Um yeah. I mean I when it's so when it's so cold and you do a sport like biathlon which is so calorie intensive and everyone is already more so than a lot more more so than almost any sport and and we're already you know if you're at the olympics competing in biathlon or or a lot of endurance sports you are already your body at that point is like perfectly tuned to where like peak performance you don't yeah peak performance you are not i mean you are lean at that point. And to go into a games with sort of that, like ready to go, like you, you, you've sort of maximized your strength and weight ratio and your body fat, um, you know, to be healthy and strong, but definitely still lean. Mm -hmm. And then to not have the sort of access to the nutrition, um, that you need God. that was really really tough i mean i was i had to it was my biggest challenge honestly at the whole games was just trying to um get enough calories to make sure that i wasn't losing weight because i didn't want to lose weight you know i was i was trying <laughs> to be stay like, strong i don't I need like, yeah i don't need this i need the nutrition yeah 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 god yeah. Um, were you able to at least so that get was seconds could you get seconds yeah yeah and and i <laughs> Of course. Of course. And uh, we were, nobody was starving. Absolutely. No one was starving. Cool. Um, we had, we had food provided for us. Definitely. The thing is that, um, the options were limited and maybe not what you like. We are, I'm not in general a picky eater, but yeah, before my Olympics race, I'm a picky eater. Oh, and you have to be, you know what I mean? And so it's like, it wasn't, it was just hard when like we had evening training and racing every day. So you're, you have breakfast and lunch that are before your yeah. training and, and you don't necessarily want to eat certain things. You want to eat other things and no, you're very, to sort of you get have and, to choose the right stuff to get yeah. enough of those specific things that you wanted, um, without sort of taking risks on, well, I've never had this food before, so I don't want to try that for the first time or before my race. Um, that was, that was actually what was difficult. So I don't mean to say at all that, like, you know, we were athletes were being starved. No, that no, was no, not no. the case. We were being provided with adequate, uh, food, yeah. but, but it, there's a difference between adequate amounts of food and also like high performance, the right food. Um, and, and and of course we're piggy in the, in that way. So that was tough. And that's what was talked about a lot. It, it, yeah, it was the, the quantity was fine. It was more, it was just, yeah, it was the, the differences, you know, like 
culturally mm-hmm. what they provide was not what you would be consuming on a daily basis and not necessarily what you use as fuel, you know? So, yeah, I think yeah. there's that. And like, I, I love Chinese food. So it wasn't, like I said, it's not <laughs> just, just that I didn't want to try that, but like, <laughs> I maybe don't want that right before my race sure. um, because that's not what I'm used to having. Again, it's all about like what you're used to yeah. um, because as you know, um, people, anyone who's done, uh, any kind of, um, competition or even just training knows like you, you get into your routine about, you know, what works with your body and trying to keep those things the same is, is really important when you go into a competitive setting on, on a daily basis or just in general, what are the food mm-hmm. you consume before and after training? Um, I eat a pretty, um, broad diet. I don't have any, um, I don't do any special diets or dietary restrictions, although I don't eat pork because my love for pigs. Yeah. Um, got it. No, no, that's, that's, <laughs> I, I, but... I wholly support that too, because you love pigs. It's you don't want to yeah. eat it. That's cool. Then that's better than somebody yeah. just choosing like, well, you know, I'm just going to stop eating meat. I'm like, no, there's a, you have a purpose <laughs> behind it. So I'm, yeah. I'm far more. Well, and I raised that. pigs. Like I, I raised them. Um, oh yeah. And, and they're I, cute as hell too. So they're cute as hell. And but then also like it doesn't appeal to me anymore. Like I actually used to love bacon and and I also loved pigs and yeah. those things sort of coexisted for a while. And then I actually raised pigs in my in my early 20s in a job I had. And um after well, that, I like couldn't mindset. even, yeah, like the smell yeah. of it was like oh. kind of nauseating to me. Yeah. So I don't know, I just don't eat anymore. But I eat everything way, else. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I eat everything else. I will say I really do. I eat very few processed foods. So, um, okay, got it. And so I, I sort of stick to the outside of the grocery store. Like I'm, I'm buying fruits and vegetables. I'm buying dairy I'm buying meat. I'm buying ingredients to cook things, but I'm not like, I, I couldn't tell you the last time I had like a freezer like dinner, wow. like a pre-made dinner. Um, and the reason for that is that usually um, those, if you're like cooking from from not processed ingredients, yeah, um, they have more nutrients in them. Um, and true. and I'm again, I'm usually trying to get a lot of calories because um, I'm doing a lot of exercise. So I'm trying to get like I eat a lot of um, like really high carbohydrate diet because I'm doing a lot of um, uh, a lot I'm, of, you know, a I'm lot exercising of energy a lot. intensive things. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool. And, but also protein and fats too, like fat burning, my fat burning system is what's responsible for like all of those really long, slow workouts. And my, you know, I'm using carbohydrates to power me through my high intensity sessions and I need protein to rebuild my muscles after lifting. So I need all of those things. Um, yeah. and so I'm usually trying to eat a lot and, um, you know, if you like when people talk about empty calories, like, no, I don't know, something that is just like, right, right. Yeah. Like you, it yeah. tastes good or whatever, but it's not going to actually fuel your body. Like a lot of processed foods are like that. And so I'm just like trying to get what I can from, yeah, from food and from cooking, but I eat, um, like pretty much everything and a lot of it. The, the two points you said that I think like one of them will be in your podcast title, by the way, because I loved it. You said when you stick to the outside of the grocery store, it's got to be the best thing I've ever heard because it's, it's it's from my boyfriend. He's an exercise physiologist and a personal trainer. It's fantastic. It's very no, smart. It, it's it's got to be the smartest thing ever. And then the other thing you said, 
which is kind of woefully, woefully forgotten nowadays is the idea mm. that you certainly can eat high calorie, a high calorie diet. If you're burning, if you're spending time burning energy during the day, it is perfectly fine to boost your calories. And that's just like those two things right there, the grocery store, eating higher calories. Nobody thinks about that. Yeah. I mean, the calorie thing is very, it's very simple. It's just, yeah, you, it's, awesome. it's output versus input. So yeah. like the only things that limit my, the training that I can do are what, or what I can put in. So how much sleep I can get and how much food I can get. Like the oh, more like sleep like and that. food that mm. I can get, mm. the more training I can do. Oh, I'm limited you know. by food and sleep, you know, I and like that. mental rest too. Yeah. But like, so if I'm going to, and I'm, you know, not everyone out there you know, most people are not working out like running in the mountains for four hours a day and yeah. do not need to eat that amount of calories to fuel that. But if you are doing that kind of activity or, um, you know, like whether it doesn't have to be running, but if you're, if you're Consistent swimming stuff. a lot, if you're lifting a lot, if you're playing soccer a lot, like those, and you're burning a lot of calories, you need to, <laughs> there's only one way to fuel that you need to eat a lot. Yeah, um, and, and so, yeah, people are sometimes surprised or, you know, I, I, I am a tall, skinny person. That's my body shape. It's not the shape of everyone who does my sport. That's one of the cool things about my sport is there's every different body. Um, but you know, people sometimes do make comments like, Oh, I, like, you know, you're, you're so lean, like, Oh, I wish I could do that or whatever. And it's like, well, I'm working out for four to six hours a day. Like that's true. That, and that's why I'm eating all of this food. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I, it's that's been true. a privilege to be a full-time athlete where that is my full-time job and I have time to do that. But you know, if you don't have time to do that, there's a, still a balance you can find between your input and your output, how many calories are going in, how many calories are going out. Yeah. And, and changing the mindset to, to value the input as as helping the output like as aiding what you're yeah what you're well, doing it's like in the fully exercise. responsible for it yeah responsible for better output yeah because a buddy of mine he uh he works out every day and he's mm -hmm. always talking about trying to lose weight and and mm -hmm. i swear to you it's the darndest thing i'm like dude you you need to eat more like you just need to eat more food because he does a mm -hmm. lot you know for for just a recreational thing and it's funny how like there's that mental block that tells you that that's not right for some reason, like you should be eating less. And I yeah. told him, I was like, dude, you're just not eating enough. You're doing so much work without mm -hmm. any, any food. And so, but that's the funny yeah. thing nowadays. It's like, you know, if your body's not changing, logic would serve that maybe you have to change the formula and maybe eat more to fuel that workout, you know? So, yeah, it's all, well, it's all about what you're, what you're doing. And, and I think, you know, most people, if they are trying to lose weight, they probably do need to eat less. True. Um, but it's, it just, it's all about, yeah, what the input What's, and the output, and yeah. that's going to be different for different for every person, um, but, you know, what they're doing and, and what, the, what their caloric needs are. Um, but yeah. there's definitely, those are, it's two parts to, to the puzzle. You know, I think it's not, it's not just 
exercising and it's not just nutrition. It's again, it's input output, like input, output, both yeah. things Cannot need to be addressed. Enough. Yeah. Yeah. For but sure. for sure, for me, it's like, I'm not on a, um, you know, like I'm on a performance performance diet, I would say it's not like a weight loss thing. And I just, I feel like everyone could be, whether you're, whether it's, whether you're an athlete or not, it's like, okay, what are you, what are you're fueling your body for performance? Whatever, whatever your performance is that day, is it going to work? You mm. know? Cause like, if you eat right, you're going to feel better and you're going to do better in whatever it is you're doing. It's not like it doesn't, I feel like it doesn't need to be so restrictive. It's about what do you actually need and what's going to 